Welcome to Murder, She Don't, the movie podcast where we watch horror movies because he likes them. But she don't. And then we talk about them because I do like talking. I, I do nots. This week we are covering The Candyman. Candyman. Directed by... Uh, Bernard Russell, based on the short story, or directed and written by Bernard Russell, but based on the short story and produced by Clive Barker. And what year did it come out? It came out in 1992. Okay, 1992. Starring Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd. And Vanessa Williams. Yeah, Vanessa Williams has a small part in it, yeah. All right, before we get started, we like to catalog the sensitivities, just in case you are one of the people who would rather not see content based on specific trigger warnings. But in this one, I don't know. There's some gore. There's some There's some gore. Sure. There is some burning if somebody has a fire fear or something like that. Yeah. Bees. Bees. Covered in bees. I'm going to make that joke I no less than like five times. Is there an animal death? I'm trying to remember. Yes, there is the dog that gets its... Yes, there yep. is a dog that gets brutally murdered. Not on screen, but you no. do see the aftermath. Yeah. Oh, and uh, kidnapping. Yes. Baby napping. Ba- baby baby stealing. Yeah. Baby napping sounds cute. Let's let's not call it baby napping. Yeah, it's, it's not a napping baby. It's, it's a stealing baby. Stealing baby. Mm-hmm. Or baby. Okay. So quick recommend. Yes. Hell yeah. This movie is good. I, mm, there's a lot of jump scares in here. There um, are. I knew you were going to be annoyed by that. But. Yeah. I, d- I didn't appreciate the, the jump scares, but I do find the content of the movie fascinating. It's basically an urban legend that is just being perpetuated. I like all of that. I don't know if they did it well, but it's interesting to me. So I, I would recommend it, but it is a medium watch for me because of the stupid jump scares. <laughs> so to get started in the actual story of uh, Candyman, it's off really cool. There's a voiceover as they're kind of like showing the city as kind of the intro credits come in and it's the Candyman talking. And the city is Chicago, by the way, yeah, if you're the- not familiar with the Chicago skyline. And he's got this awesome line. He kind of just kind of goes through his philosophy, kind of. But he, he's got this awesome line of, what is blood if not for spilling? And I was just like, oh, that's a good line. Creepy. Send the shiver up your spine. Especially with Tony Todd's voice. Yeah, all of the, the stuff that he kind of says is, is very uh, enigmatic mm-hmm. a little bit. And makes me think of a cult leader. Yeah, um, I mean, it's very spiritual or um, yeah. supernatural or I'm not sure yeah. what the best uh, word for that would be, but it's kind of... It was lost on me because I was just like, this is weird, yo. I think it gets... I think it's more impactful once you have actually seen the movie and you know more of the Candyman story and where he comes from and why he is the way he is. It keeps flashing back and forth between the city skyline and a hive of bees. Bees. Covered in bees. His voiceover over the bees in the sky, it was just confusing to me at this point because I had no context for it. So, yeah. anyway. It starts off with a girl telling the story of the Candyman. It's told in a way that she is telling the story, but you see the actions with a couple of actors. And she, it's this girl, invites her bad boy boyfriend over, played by Ted Raimi, who is Sam Raimi's goofy, nerdy brother. And him <laughs> playing like the bad boy hot guy is hilarious. He is very like Americana- like white boy he should have had a pocket protector type <laughs> he is of thing. he like ted Raimi. i love the guy but he just looks like a nerd and everything he does and him trying to play the bad boy is just it's hilarious i mean even even a frat boy like i i would believe a frat boy yeah but like the leather jacket bad yeah, boy you don't have to play a nerd but like he's my favorite he's a prep 
my favorite thing For is sure. his haircut, the very 90s, like, part in the middle that kind <laughs> of, like, front butt. It looks like a butt on your head. <laughs> the front butt. Uh, so, anyway, she, the, the girl telling the story of Candyman, and if you say Candyman's name five times in the mirror, he will appear and murder you. And so that's the story that kind of being is being told. And she's telling it to Virginia Madsen, and Virginia Madsen plays a, um, she plays a graduate student who's studying, like, kind of urban legends and her thesis her is, thesis in, is yeah. on yeah and she's she's taking stories from should be the candy man story is the one that kind of catches her attention though and she decides to follow it fully with her partner whose name i can't remember bernadette bernadette oh great name bernadette <clears throat> i don't know about, about it, baby, do. we're gonna sing in all the episodes from now on yes because we sound so good with yeah, these, these new microphones like oh we sound so much better <laughs> I mean, I still sound awful, but I sound so much better than I did. <laughs> so Bernadette is in the other room getting an interview with another student, a male student. Helen walks in and Bernadette kind of winks at her and I'm like, hmm, okay, that seems okay. I definitely shipped them from the beginning <laughs> and I was like, there's something going on there. Like they're more than friends, but no, nothing is alluded to other than just the tension between them. Bernadette wraps up the interview with the male student and he leaves and they are kind of conversing and Helen goes to her husband's class because her husband is a faculty member and a professor and he is having a lecture on urban legends and everybody's like, no, it's true. I read it in the paper once. She kind of walks into this lecture hall, sits down, waits for it to be over. And then at the end of class, there's a couple of students that are up there talking to him. And there's one in particular, her name is Stacy and she's really close to him and he's leaning towards her and does like the touch on the shoulder type of thing and she sees it and she's like hmm okay so she walks right up and he goes oh the beautiful wife and she says the something professor like the I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but it's something complimentary. And so he introduces her to the whole group, including Stacy, but Stacy can't make eye contact. So they leave and she's like, hmm that girl and he goes are you kidding do you think i would ever and she goes no but she is definitely barking up the wrong tree and he goes well are you mad at me because of that i can't control the feelings of other people and she's like no i'm mad because you're ruining my thesis because you said you were going to wait until next semester to give them the urban legends lecture and so now everything is tainted like, I can't use any of your students because they've heard this lecture and they're going to spread it and it's just going to taint my findings. And, like, she's she kind has of a point. She, yeah, so there's a point to it, but he kind of dismisses her. Because he's kind of a dick. He is. <laughs> like, what is it with, can we just get a male figure in one of these horror movies that I'm like, oh, see that? That's a good man. Like, I don't, I, every time I feel, here lately, I guess, in slasher movies specifically, mm. I, I, if I search back, I could probably find one or two in all 19, 20 episodes that we've done. This will be our 20th. Oh my God. Yeah, this is going to be episode 20. <laughs> in the past 19 episodes, and this being our 20th, I could probably find somebody that I'm like, yeah, that's Glenn from one. Nightmare wasn't too bad. Johnny Depp's character. Okay, sure. I mean, he's not great but i mean especially for the 80s he was probably a pretty good guy for yeah. early 80s kind of yeah but yeah so i don't like the depiction of of, of men they're all I, I think a lot of characters in these kind of movies are written to be bastards <laughs> are written to be like bad you know what i mean they're written to be people that you don't like so that when you you're kind of rooting on them to be killed a little bit you know what i mean like yeah 
So anyway, she gets mad. He dismisses her. They go on about their their way. Bernadette comes over later that night. Well, they're they're in one of the classrooms, right? And then Bernadette and her are talking back and forth, and the janitor lady is there. That's right. They're they're trying to search more information, and the janitor lady's there, and she overhears them talking about Candyman, and she's like, "I know somebody who was killed by the Candyman," yeah. and so she starts telling the story of Ruthie Jean, who heard somebody coming in through their bathroom through her bathroom calls the cops the cops don't believe her she gets killed with a hook and like you know five hours later or something and this kind of grabs helen by helen's attention because she finds out that Ruth, there really was a girl named ruthie jean who was killed in the cabrini green projects of chicago mm-hmm. well not in real life but in the story in the yeah in the movie in the movie so she's researching this and she gets her eureka moment she's in the library looking at microfiche for those of you old enough to remember microfiche to remember microfiche ah oh, god there was just something about using antiquated technology that we don't put anything on microfiche anymore i like saying microfiche but i, yeah. I think i could count on one hands the number of times i actually used the microfiche machine back I in the day i loved using it that eureka moment when she actually finds Ruthie Jean's name in the microfiche that she's looking at, and she has that eureka moment, and she starts putting two and two together. Her face embodies exactly what that feels like, and it's just like when you're researching something and you have a theory, but you have no idea how to prove it, and then all of a sudden it's staring you in the face. It's perfect. I loved that part. Mm-hmm. And Virginia Madison has that perfect early '90s pretty girl oh face, my gosh, like she, she is the gorgeous. perfect kind of pretty for the early '90s. Yes. Short hair. Can't believe she's related to Michael Madsen. Like, ugh. I, I don't know how, who that is. Um, he was in like Reservoir Dogs. He's don't know who that is. Kind of a chubby <laughs> big guy. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'll show you a picture of him, and you'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Helen goes home and realizes that her housing or her her condo was originally built to be another add-on to the projects, but because it didn't have a separation. From the rest of the city, like the L train separates Caprini Green from the rest of the city. It's not cut off like that. It kind of lets everybody out into the city, but they turned it into condos instead with a little re- renovations. And she finds out that, yes, they're really, you can go through the bathrooms to another apartment or condo just like they could in the projects by just pulling out the medicine cabinet and pushing the other one through you can get through that way and so she's like that's how they killed ruthie jean that's we should go there and you know see if this see if my idea is right but while they're doing it they decide to play the little candy man like hey let's look in the mirror let's do it and they do and <laughs> helen does mm-hmm. bernadette does Bern- bernadette stops at four because she's smarter than <laughs> <laughs> and she's like chicken and then they walk away and and you don't think about it much because no. you're like it doesn't like Candyman doesn't actually show around for a bit like he yeah and in every other telling of a Candyman story it happens immediately he's behind you breathing down your neck and he has a hook for a hand Bernadette leaves and she's in asleep in bed and her husband's nowhere to be found. <laughs> she hears a noise, and so she calls out his name. Trevor, I think it is? I think so, yeah. Sure. It, he, it's not important. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, it's Trevor. <laughs> so she calls out, Trevor, is that you? Nothing. And I'm thinking, oh, crap, here it comes. And there's a jump scare, but it's Trevor jumping on top of her, coming home drunk late at night. And it doesn't seem like it's out of the ordinary for him to do so. And I'm, th- I'm you know, I'm putting two and two together. She's a, a PhD student, so of course she has already made that jump. But yeah, 
I mean, she's busy studying her own stuff, so she doesn't have time to deal with the messiness of their relationship at the time. <laughs> so she's just like, oh, whatever, get off. Bah. And he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And So anyway, we the next day or later. Uh, yeah, it's implied the next day. Yeah. Yeah. They go to the project. As they're driving to the Cabrini Green project, she explains to Bernadette, she what she thinks is that there, these people have these really bad lives where there's violence everywhere, there's gangs, and this is their way of explaining why everything is so bad. Because the people they know in the neighborhood aren't that bad, you know, the people are just people, but it has to be a monster that's doing all of this to us. And it's a very, like, privileged kind of white person kind of like, well, you know, they just... You know, if they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, they wouldn't have to deal with this sort of thing. And it's like, no, there's a lot more shit going on there, people. Yeah, still. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's It's not a candy man in real life, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoy that conversation in the car. Bernadette shows Helen that she's packing. She's got, like, two, three weapons on her, I guess. And and she's like, why are you bringing all this stuff for? And she's like, you're the one that told me to dress like a cop. And she's like, no, I just told you to dress conservatively. Like, we... You know, we don't know these people, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, they're going to think we're cops. Bernadette, by the way, is African-American. So she knows kind of the area, but she is definitely more affluent Mm -hmm. and doesn't live over there. And so... She's afraid of going into Cabrini Green. She's heard all the stories too, you know? Correct. And so it's it's one of those things that like, it's two privileged people, Helen more so than Bernadette. Bernadette. It's two privileged people talking about the projects and what they have to do to protect themselves from these people. And it's an interesting conversation, but she pulls over and she's like, okay, so we won't go. And we're just going to turn in a run-of-the-mill thesis that has already been written by 40 other people. And it's fine. We'll just stop here. But I think there's something here. I think this is the piece we're missing and I want to go get it so that we can turn in something spectacular and actually, you know earn our titles and earn our space in this world of academia that is being you know run by men basically yeah i love their whole thing about like well would the guys do it no they they would run run away because this is scary and then like well we have to do it and yeah exactly and so there's you know there's lots of little otherisms there you know race socioeconomic gender like all of that's wrapped up in that one single conversation and it's written really well but anyway they go down there's a couple of guys in 1980s track suits it's so perfect <laughs> and beautiful i mean i guess it spilled over into the 90s well, too remember like the the, the 90s didn't start until like 1994 it was still the 80s <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely still the 80s so they get past the guards is what i'll call them basically the gang that is that hangs out and and it's you know protecting their territory and and whatnot when they see them they're like are y'all cops are cops are cops cops and then what are you doing here who are you here to see what are you doing when they start going up the stairs they're like hey everybody cops are here yeah that's some good guards i like those guys yeah but then (laughs) she turns to bernadette and she's like they're gonna leave us alone they think we're cops let them think we're cop. That whole conversation in the car of like, you're the one that told me to dress like a cop. And she's like, no, I told you to dress conservative. No, this nails it. She wanted them to think that they were cops so mm-hmm. that they would leave them alone. So they go up and they're taking pictures of all the graffiti that's plastered all over the hallways. And it's actually some pretty decent graffiti. Some of it. I mean, a lot of it's just like scribbling on top of each other. But yeah. They do find that first sweets to the sweet, mm-hmm. and that's a, a thing that pops up a couple of times. 
it's actually part of it is painted on Anne-Marie's door. And so we see Anne-Marie for the first time. We don't know it's Anne-Marie. We don't meet her officially until later. But she kind of pops her head out and she has a big guard dog. and Like a Rottweiler or something. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the dog's barking and she has it kind of by the collar or the harness. She looks like she opens the door as Helen's trying to take a picture. And she's like, you know, Helen's like, oh, I'm sorry. And like backs up and she slams the door and locks it. They keep going and they find the apartment that Ruthie Jean was murdered in. Yes, it's next to Anne-Marie's apartment. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know that for 100% sure yet, but it's like she's her neighbor. She's within a couple of doors at least. Later, Anne-Marie says, I could hear her screaming. I could hear everything. So they go in and of course it's a decrepit, what they use a word. It is a dilapidated, decrepit. Uh, One of those words. Yeah. Work. Apartment. And, you know, Bernadette's unsure. And she's like, I don't think we should go in. And she's like, no, we have to go in. Like, this is why we're here. So they go in. She's taking pictures. She's taking pictures. And then they get to the bathroom where the murder had taken place and there's like a moldy old doll against the bathtub in the corner they get the mirror out and skinny little helen threads herself through that tiny little medicine cabinet opening goes to the other side where there's so much more graffiti she emerges from somebody has painted the candy man's face on the wall with his mouth open and she emerges through his mouth right yeah it's a great shot i think that's after though like i is that the mirror I thought it, I could be wrong. It might be one of the other. Because I think shots, she but... goes through. She finds like a candy altar, and then she keeps going. Okay, like, is that it, what it is? keeps going deeper into into the building. I mean, it's abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody has lived in this section for for a while. But you can tell by the graffiti, by the candy altars. And she opens a piece of candy and there's like a razor in it, and she kind of cuts herself on it a little bit as she's crawling through to the next part that's when i think that's when the the graffiti mouth. yes the graffiti mouth which is a great shot and then she stares up at it and the eyes start to kind of glow a little bit like not not cheesily like it's there's something that happens and it like hypnotizes her a little bit mm. and then she realizes that she's out of film so she has to go back and she tells bernadette look give me more film i need more film and she goes no absolutely not we're going like you had five minutes we're done let's go like for I our younger listeners film is what cameras used to have to use <laughs> before they were all digital yes and you only had so many shots at a time and you had to make sure to bring extra rolls if you were taking a lot of pictures microfiche and film God, like we're old. <laughs> i was 12 when this movie came out oh, i was less than that yes you would have been about seven yeah so they start leaving and yeah. marie is like what are you guys doing here what do you want and they just kind of like introduce themselves hey we're and Anne marie tells them like yeah i i heard all this and you, we get to meet her son anthony who's an infant and she's like, I'm sorry for being kind of abrupt with you guys, but, you know, white people don't come around here unless they want something or they're, you know what I mean? Unless they're. Unless we're in trouble. Yeah. And they're, you know. Anne-Marie is standoffish have. because she does, she don't want anything happening to her son. She's a single mother living in the projects alone. I get it. But so they, they leave Cabrini Green and they go to dinner that night. And Helen's there with Bernadette and her husband, Trevor, and 
there's a couple other professors from the university there. One of them had done his thesis about Candyman. Helen is like, well, we're going to bury you because we've actually been down to the Cabrini Green and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, then you know the origin of the Candyman, don't you? They're like, no. Then how are you going to bury me? He's got a point. Like, he's a douche, but he's got a point. And I hate that because I love how confident she is standing up to him. I'm like, yeah, you you earn your spot. Yes. I feel like they could have written this a little bit better yeah. so that Anne Marie, or not Anne Marie, so that Helen. Helen and Bernadette didn't come off as a little dumb. Yeah, as a little like too full of themselves. Like, I think you could have written this better. So he starts to tell the story of the Candyman and how the, the origin of the Candyman, and he was a. And the entire scene is basically so we find out. Right. And I feel like they could have written this better so that it wasn't like this old white guy explaining to them the real story of the Candyman. Yeah. It just felt a little bit like mansplaining. But when she says no, that like, yeah, this is your thesis and you don't know the origin story. Like, I, I think what they should have done is had him start telling the story and, and then, then her, her talk, then talk her go like, no, you got that wrong. No, you got that part wrong. No, you got that part wrong. Like the heard, the parts I've heard are this, this, and this, and this, and you're mistaking this for that story. Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they could have made it her come off a little smarter or, you know what I mean? Like a little better. Or even if it was the same story so as to not confuse the audience. Cause I think that would be a little bit confusing, but him start off her, tell the next part, him mm-hmm. tell the next part and then her finish it, you know, like just that kind I of wanted him to be wrong about something (laughs) absolutely the smugness of of benjamin franklin i he looked like benjamin franklin he did kind of and i think he comes back in one of the sequels so there's a there's a sequel there's two sequels there's Candyman: farewell to the flesh and Candyman: day of the dead i think is what they're called i'm not sure anyway so he tells the story of Candyman, and the Candyman story is that in the i think it was the 1890s 1880s something like that Candyman's father was a inventor and invented a new way of making shoes or boots or something and made them very very rich so Candyman grew up kind of affluent and he became a painter and he was like a very renowned painter in chicago and and Candyman, by the way, African-American. So he becomes a painter and all the rich white families start, you know, going to him to get their portraits done. And this guy decides that he wants his daughter's portrait done, who's roughly the same age as Candyman. And they, they start an affair. They start seeing each other. Well, once the father finds out that his daughter's seeing a black man, he loses it and hires a gang of people to go and take care of him. They torture him. They cut off his hand. They stick a hook inside the stump. He's still alive. They find a beehive nearby, break out the honeycomb, smear his body with it so that the bees sting him to death. Then they set him on fire and spread the ashes around where Cabrini Green will be built one day. And that's how the Candyman, why he haunts Cabrini Green. The next day, Helen goes back to Cabrini Green with more film to take more pictures. And she knocks on Anne-Marie's door, but she's not there. There's another jump scare. She looks into the window and the dog is like, and uh, yeah, jump scare. And there's a little boy, Jake, tells her, she told me you'd be back. And she's like, okay, uh, who are you? He starts talking to her and he's very cautious of her because white woman projects. I'm I'm not sure Mm. about you. The only time he's ever seen a white person is when somebody's getting in trouble and they're the ones taking them away, you know? So he starts talking and he tells a story about a boy in the bathroom in the park that's right outside, like right in front across the street from Cabrini Green and across the street from a convenience store. Basically, this mother and her son were in the store. He needed to go to the restroom and there was a public restroom in the little park area. So she tells him to go out there. Soon they hear screams 
screams and she knows it's him so she starts screaming and they're holding her back and this really big dude like really tough looking dude marches like runs over there and goes inside the the bathroom to take care of whatever is hurting him they find him holding his groin area and his penis had been cut off and was floating in one of the toilets and the man that went in there to to take care of stuff comes back out and his hair had turned white and i don't remember if the boy had died no jake tells this part of the story where like you can't he he, he lived but he should have died because they couldn't reattach it and it's better to be dead yeah, like this is a little boy like be better off dead six yeah. or seven or something like that he tells her the story. She decides she's going into this bathroom. So she goes in with her camera and the walls are covered in shit. And on... Graffiti and the shit spells out. Sweets for the sweet. <laughs> First of all, she opens this one of the stall doors that are covered in shit with her hand. Woman, that's what shoes are for. Kick it in. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ain't gotta even kick it. Just, just push it with your foot. Yeah, just... just- and so she she opens one with her hand she opens the next one with her foot and i'm like see told you you knew how to do it why did you all of a sudden forget you had feet and then in the last stall in the toilet which is closed with a lid Mm -hmm. like it's the only one that's not broken (laughs) yeah yeah but there's no public restroom that i know of that has a lid to it but whatever so she opens the lid and it's covered in bees yep bees full of toilet Toilet full. Toilet full of bees, bees, whichever version of that we need. Yep. So she opens it, closes it, and but it's too late and the bees are like, and so she's swatting at him and she comes out of the stall. It cuts to Jake. Oh. Okay. Jake. Somebody is approaching behind Jake and he just turns around and says, Candyman. And then it cuts back to her inside and somebody opens the door. Mm-hmm. And this man comes in wielding a hook, but it's not, it's not a hook for a hand. He's got a hook in his hand, like a yeah. meat hook. And he has his cronies. He has it. It's part of the gang, the Project Lobby gang uh, that warned the cops, cops. So they still think she's a cop, but they're starting to figure out that she's not because she keeps coming back, but nobody gets arrested type of thing. They all kind of corner her and she's like, look, I just I, I'm trying to I, I'm not a cop. I'm trying to get information. I'll get out of your way. I don't want to mess up your business or anything like just let me go i'm i'm just getting information and so they take the hook and they hit her over the side like hit her on the eye basically they hit her with the back side of the hook so it doesn't actually pierce her her hooker there's the hook (laughs) but yeah so they beat her up real bad jake is there and he calls the cops and they pick her up and him up and we see a lineup of a bunch of black guys that are saying the line that the attacker said right before he started hitting her with the backside of the hook and she picks him out and she's there with a swollen shut eye great makeup by the way Mm -hmm. smoking indoors because it was the early 90s yeah i thought that was an 80s thing like i thought by the 90s they were like i think it was mid 90s that everybody had to stop smoking inside places but i remember when i was in college like you could still smoke in the restaurants and most of the most of the campus now you can't smoke anywhere on campus yeah anyway so she's there talking to the cop and she's like okay what's going to happen to him well he's a bad guy and you know we've connected him to a couple other they think he's the one who killed ruthie jean right they think he's the one who assaulted the like mutilated the boy right so they put him away and she's like okay well i i won't go back down there 
you know, I'll, I'll keep my distance. And I'm like, what about Jake? Jake needs protection. He's going back into the projects and everybody knows that he's the one that snitched because he was seen with her. Protect him. Like, mm-hmm. what about Jake? So she goes out into the hallway and is like, thank you, Jake. You know, you saved my life. Bad guy's going to get put away. And and he he, he would use the Candyman legend to, to kind of scare people. There's not no such thing as Candyman. And Jake's like, oh, okay. Candyman is not real. Mm-hmm. Giving him hope. Yeah. So Helen is now in a really good mood. She gets home. She's like doing her work and making dinner for Trevor and things look like they're going good. She's she's ready to be published. Bernadette comes back and says like, hey, the book company wants to publish our work. They're sitting pretty. But they're going through the slides that they were able to recover from the attack because the, the bad guys smashed the camera. And Bernadette's like, hey, we were able to recover most of those pictures. And Helen's like, what? I thought it was all, they were all destroyed. They're going through the slides and they're in the parking garage as they just after picking up the slide bernadette goes up to get her car helen's heading to her car she sees bernadette leave and she looks over and there's a guy standing there in a long coat african-american man with a hook for a hand mm-hmm. and it's the first time we actually see Candyman. and this is great it's midday it's bright in a, in a public area mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's the first time we get to see this supernatural monster it's a really interesting thing you don't ever see that in movies you know what i mean like it kind of in No, the first time we saw Michael Myers was at night, wasn't it? With him in his robe and everything. Mm -hmm. We see him pop up here and there in the mask and everything, just kind of in the background. Like, the first time Candyman talks, the first time we really get to see him, it's bright afternoon. Like, I I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Unexpected. But she's hearing him talk to her, and he's like, come be my victim. And she's blinking a lot, and she's, like, hypnotized. She goes, "I I need to go. I'm late. I need to meet a friend probably come like you know giving a lie so she can get out of the situation because she doesn't realize like it he's not really there kind of thing like nobody else sees him but but her and so he there's nobody else around to see him so she's like trying to get away but but she's, she's like hypnotized yeah she's, she's almost under his drugged. spell yeah. yeah so she gets in the car uh well no we don't even see her get in the car no, she, she just, wakes up yeah she passes out and then she wakes up in a bathroom covered in blood Mm-hmm. absolutely like just covered in blood and she thinks she's got stabbed or something she starts checking on herself when as soon as she wakes up they're screaming like yes. this one person somewhere nearby is just screaming at the top of their lungs she doesn't know what's going on and she leaves the bathroom and finds sees a hatchet on the floor next to Anne marie's dog's head that's been it's a cut meat off. cleaver yeah a meat cleaver and she heads out of the bathroom and we see Anne marie absolutely lost like she's lost her mind she's looking in the crib which is now covered in blood mm-hmm. screaming anthony 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 and at first i was like oh god did he kill the baby he killed yeah. the baby like oh it'd been a while since i watched it. i couldn't remember then um, he didn't actually kill the baby the baby's not there But Anne-Marie turns around, sees her covered in blood in her house with her child missing, thinking, you did it. So she turned around and starts attacking her. Holding a meat cleaver. Yeah, like Anne-Marie has every reason to believe this crazy white woman just killed her kid and her dog. Helen had every reason to pick it up, though, because she didn't know if the attacker was still in the house. Or who the screaming person was. Right. Where the blood was. She needed to help the screaming person. So she picked it up as a weapon because you use your resources. She was trying to orient herself. She was disoriented. She didn't know where she was. But yeah, she was in Anne-Marie's apartment with Anthony gone and holding a meat cleaver. And this distraught woman starts attacking attacking her and gets her on the floor and starts slamming her head on the ground and so Helen, Helen uses the uses meat the meat cleaver on, on the arm, arm. Mm-hmm. and at that point that's when the police come in they see Helen attacking in self defense 
Yeah, because, I mean, her head was getting beat into the floor. So she is attacking and there's blood everywhere and there's no baby and there should be. So, yeah, she gets arrested. She calls her husband, who's not at home at three o'clock in the morning, and they start asking her questions. And she's like, no, it was I don't I, I woke up and I was there and I was covered in blood and I don't understand. So anyway, she gets out on bail uh, the next morning when her husband finally gets her message and she's, you know, working with a lawyer trying to figure out a way to approach this to be like i didn't do that well why were you there i have no idea all i remember was seeing this weird person and waking up that's all i remember her husband says something to the effect of well we need to figure out how to convince them that you didn't do it and she goes but you don't believe that i did it do you and he goes no no of course not totally does so (laughs) dick and (laughs) So she's struggling with that, but also trying to figure out where to go from here. Mm-hmm. And so she goes back home and she's she's looking through all the slides that were delivered. And she sees in one of them that she had taken a picture of the mirror before they had unlatched it from the wall. And she sees an outline of a person that looks strangely like the person that she met in the parking garage before all of the Anne Marie stuff happened. So she gets freaked out and opens the curtains back because she's using one of those project. Okay, so when you have slides, young people... Um, <laughs> You put them in a projector and it projects the image on the wall, but you need it to be dark in order to see it. It's not just like, yeah, whatever. She looks down the hall towards her bathroom with the mirror in it. And so she goes back there and looks in the mirror. Nothing's there. Opens it. And of course, Candyman's hand bursts through. She's like, no. And This was another little bit of a jump scare for you, right? Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) I hated it. I was like, another one. And then she goes to the kitchen so that she can get a knife and arm herself. I think she was making dinner or making lunch or whatever. So she grabs the knife off the thing and is holding it up to him. But of course, again, she's like drugged by the hypnosis of him. And so he's talking to her and it's always been you. And And he explains to her that like, I have to kill you Mm -hmm. because you caused doubt. You caused doubt and their belief in me is what keeps me going. You caused doubt. So now I have to kill you or the kid. You get to decide. I've got the baby. Tony Todd is so creepily charismatic as Candyman when he's talking. It's it's very cult leader. Like it's very creepy. I love it. But it is it is. Oh, Tony Todd is so good in this movie. <laughs> so then he he starts attacking her and kind of like cuts above her ear or behind her ear behind her ear. Yeah, she he puts the hook behind her head and kind of pulls her in with it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear a knock at the door and it is Bernadette with flowers to like help her friend through a tough time. She was arrested. She's suspected of kidnapping, that type of thing. So Bernadette's there. She knocks on the door. Helen's going, no go away but again she's weakened by the hypnosis and so she's like up against the refrigerator down on the floor she kind of slides down to the floor she's bleeding from behind her ear not profusely but enough and you know Candyman turns and is like oh okay so she like we cut to her waking up in bed and her husband is there but she's getting handcuffed or she's handcuffed on the bed I think that's what it was and the police officers are there Trevor's there she Trevor Trevor he was here he was here who was here can man what are you talking about and she realizes there's a commotion happening in her living room and so she gets up and she he's like no don't go don't go so she runs in there she sees her friend bernadette dead and the way Candyman kills people is by taking his hook and stabbing them in the gullet, as mm-hmm. he says, and just ripping them up the, the torso. Mm-hmm. And so you get to see Bernadette just, oh, 
That's massacred. A, that, yeah. She was blue. Yeah. That's what stuck with me. I didn't pay attention to the gore, because why? <laughs> but I did pay attention to the color, the pallor of the body, and it was blue. So great special effects, makeup, whatever that was. And uh, I don't even know what I would do if I woke up and saw my friend in the living room like that. Mm-hmm. Like I... Uh, Dissected, almost. It like would, it's... Oh. God, it makes me want to throw up thinking about it. So, of course, she's distraught. They restrain her and she's going to an asylum. Mm -hmm. She's in the asylum and she is being strapped to a bed and she's like, wait, I can't defend myself. You need to get me out of these straps. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. And so they leave her in there. And then all of a sudden, here's Candyman floating above her. Giving another like speech about why do you want to live? Just sacrifice yourself. Yeah. You'll get to live like me in all these stories and we'll, we can be together again. and Or we can be together. You will live in, in the other's dreams. And it's a blessed life. It's it's better than anything you can imagine. He says it much more eloquently than that. But, but just as creepily, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's like struggling against the straps and and is screaming they start coming in he kind of goes beneath the bed and she's like he's under the bed he's under the bed and they're like you're what and so they put an injection in her clavicle (laughs) the the person playing the nurse did not do a very good job of this yeah if you don't know what a clavicle is it's your your collarbone if you inject something into your collarbone it's not going nowhere like that's not yeah, that needle's Mm-mm. not going to go in. No. But anyway, I think she was supposed to put it in her neck, which I've seen done. Yeah, possibly. Happen in, in movies. Uh, but the needle bent. Yeah. When she, like, it was so rushed, the prop needle bent against the, the skin of Helen. Like, it was just, they needed to reshoot that one. Uh, one more time. <laughs> yeah, the nurse just did such a haphazard job of it. Just like, meh, 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 and then covered it with a shirt. Like, oh, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. And so she gets kind of drugged out and... The next time we see her, does anything happen before she wakes up in the gown? Okay. So then she wakes up in a gown and she's like, I need to talk to my husband. And the staff member is like, oh, I want to talk to your husband too. And so he is taking her in a wheelchair strapped down again, still restrained, to see the psychiatrist so that they can see if she's fit to stand trial. So she goes in for her psyche valve and she's strapped down and she's like, I need to talk to my husband. Where's my husband? Where's my lawyer? I need to talk to these people. Like, I have no idea how long it has it been. And he's like, you've been in here for a month. And she's like, a month? And he's like, yeah, we've had to have Elisa date you because every time you come out, you start talking about him. And then he shows her the video from her intake, like when she was there at first when Candyman was floating and he shows her that there was nobody there. He goes, did you see him that first night that you were here? And she's like, how is this? How is this possible? So that's when she realizes that it's he's not a real person that other people can see. So then she starts thinking, oh, my God, what ha- what have I done? Somebody killed Anne-Marie's dog. Somebody killed Bernadette. Like, what what have I done? Like, what is happening? She looks in the mirror and calls for Candyman. She's like, I can prove it. I can prove it. This is the only explanation. I couldn't do these things. I know myself. I couldn't do these things. She calls for Candyman, and Candyman doesn't appear. And the doctor kind of gets a smug look on his face. And then all of a sudden, blood starts spurting as the Candyman shoves his hook into the doctor's back and starts tearing up and flesh-tearing sounds. He stabs the doc and then cuts her free from her straps and she escapes. She knocks out a nurse, takes her clothes, goes back home. Yeah, she kills the nurse. Does she kill her? Or did I, she, I like thought she just knocked her out, but. 
That was a really hard knockout. I'm just <laughs> saying, it looked like she killed the freaking nurse. And it's just so convenient that the first nurse she came to... Just happened to be her size. And happened to be her size and shoes. Like, dresses, you can, you can, whatever. But, like, shoes? That woman had the same size. That's convenient. Anyway, so she goes home. She walks in on Stacy, <laughs> painting their apartment pink. And she's like, get out of my house. And she's like... <gasps> And super scared. Trevor! She calls for she calls for Trevor and he comes out. Oh, did you make a mistake again? It's okay. Boop, boop, boop. <gasps> what are you doing here? Like, dick. She's been in an asylum for a month and you're just like shacking up with your newest conquest. Like, can we talk about the fact that he is a professor and she's a PhD student? He, she was probably his student at one point. You or know what I mean? She, uh, they're close enough in age that I'm thinking that he might have been... Like a couple of years up from her, like older than her. Maybe she was getting her graduate at the same time he or he was getting his doctorate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they could like they could have met that way. They're they're close enough in age, but he is not close to age. To Stacey. To Stacey. No, no, absolutely not. They have this kind of standoff, and Trevor is just like, I I don't know what you want. Like whatever you want. She's like, call him, call him, and tell him where I am. Call them, kind of daring him to take the phone, and he won't. I forget what is said, but she's basically like, forget y'all. I need to go find this kid. She, she realizes she has no one else, and there's no reason. The Bernadette's gone. Trevor's with yeah. this girl. I can at least save the kid. Yeah. I can easily save them. So she leaves. And of course, they call right away. And she goes to Cabrini Green. Mm -hmm. She goes up to the Candyman's kind of lair again, where all the graffiti is. And she notices more graffiti that kind of tells the origin again in, yeah. in painting form. But she notices on the wall that his girlfriend, betrothed, his, the white girl, mm -hmm. looks like her. A very like much her. like her. <laughs> <laughs> then she's like, okay. He shows up, kind of hypnotizes her again, lays her on the table. But, well, she finds him sleeping and tries to stab him. Oh, and that's right. like, oh, nope, that doesn't work. Yeah. And so he lays her on the table and then kisses her covered in bees. Yeah. He like, opens, opens his, his mouth, mouth and it's bees are flying out. <sighs> and From then, my understanding, like, Tony Todd got stung like three times in the mouth during uh, this scene. But he worked out a thing where he got paid $1,000 extra every time a bee stung him. And he ended up making... Like, I think an extra $32,000 on this movie because of that. Oh, my God. But those bees lost their life. Probably, yeah. Well, yeah, because when bees sting you, their butts rip off. Most of the time, yeah. I found out recently that not all the time, but most of the time, yes. Okay. Like, if a bee works hard enough and doesn't pull itself too hard, it can work its stinger out. Usually they get killed by crushing or, you know what I mean, something yeah. like that. Somebody will slap them by the time they're trying to get out. Yeah. So, anyway, kisses her with bees and then... <laughs> Does, says that it was always you, Ellen. Yeah. And then basically lets her know you are joining me. Like, this is, we're a thing now. And what happens now? I, she, I see, like, earlier in the film, they kind of passed by and it was just kind of a Chekhov's gun of a giant bonfire that the people that live in Cabrini Green were setting up to, you know, for having a party one night. And she hears the baby crying from inside the bonfire. And it's huge bonfire with, like, mattresses, desks, chairs, just all kinds of But garbage. it's not lit yet. Right. It's just the the old furniture and broken things. So she starts climbing through, uh, runs down, starts climbing through the pile, and Jake, who's sleeping on in like one of the hallways, or the little boy from earlier, who's sleeping in one of the hallways or outside or something, hears somebody in the pile and thinks, "Oh, it's Candyman. He's he's back." And 
he sees she got a hook to help her get up the 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 stack the stack and kind of pulling things off with it and all he sees is this hook kind of disappear inside of the bonfire so he freaks out and is like it's Candyman and so gets everybody riled up torches the whole nine no pitchfork but torches they go towards the stack and light it on fire and she right she, as she's finding the kid yeah, she finds the baby uh, but there's fire the fire starting to come up but then the candy man appears behind her holding her in place because this is how he's going to take her out he's going to hold her into the fire i guess to spread her ashes like his were but she she's trying to get away and the fire is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger this whole time like he's trying to hold her in place and she's trying to wrestle free because she's still holding the baby she picks up a piece of flaming wood and stabs candy man in the chest with it and is able to get away from him and crawls out but she's on fire she's she's holding the baby close to her but the her back of her head and her back are on fire Mm -hmm. and she is getting just torched she crawls out and is able to get the baby to Anne marie and all of the people take off their coats and like try to put her her out out, but or they do but yeah Yeah. she's already on her way to being she lives her a couple of seconds more but yeah but Anne-Marie gets the baby and is like, thank you, thank you. And then, yeah, it goes to her funeral where Trevor <laughs> and Stacy <laughs> are standing yeah, there gravesite. And the jerk professor, I think, is there too. Yeah, Benjamin Franklin's there. Stupid. So they're having their little ceremony. And then all of a sudden... And the priest uh, mentions that, like, you know, God, please take her into your arms, no matter her mistakes. Because they still think that she was behind the murder of Bernadette. Right. And then, <laughs> I forget who points it out, but they're like, look. And the camera changes angles. And you can see this parade of all of the residents of Cabrini Green coming forward. Led by Anne-Marie holding Anthony with Jake kind of under her wing. And Jake has a hook and he drops it in as they lower Helen into her grave. And that's the end of the movie. Except for it cuts to Trevor later on that night in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Stacy. Uh, Stacy is her name, right? Yes. Stacy is in the kitchen. It's like, hey, let's make dinner. And he's he's kind of, I think he honestly does feel bad about what's happened with Helen. Like, yeah. he's crying on the toilet. And he starts kind of, he's like, okay, I'll be there in a little bit, honey. And she's kind of like fussy in the kitchen, like, pay attention to me. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, she's not very emotionally mature because yeah. she's a child. Yes, possibly. She's a freaking child. But he starts saying Helen's name in the mirror. Oh, Helen. Helen, 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 Helen. 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 Five times. Appears behind him and, and kills him, but now she, her hair is all burned off. She's got burned wounds all over her head, and she's got Candyman's hook that she's holding in her hand, and she gullet to groin to gullet or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Daisy walks into the bathroom and finds Trevor split open in the bathtub, and that's With the end of the movie. And she's screaming. Cause... <laughs> and then during the credits, we do get to see that somebody in Cabrini Green has made a new mural for Helen mm-hmm. of her with like these fire, this hair that is fire. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's angelic fire, though. Yeah. It's not like gruesome fire. It's it's a, <laughs> a romanticized version of what she looked like. Well, because <laughs> that she'd help the people of Cabrini Green. Yeah. Right? She, she is not quite a hero, but not quite the monster that Candyman was either. Right. So that was... That's Candyman. Candyman. So initial thoughts about Candyman? The baby slept in the sink for a month. They did show a quick thing of Candyman feeding the baby something off of his finger. And that's the only thing I can assume as to like how that baby lived for a month. I guess Candyman the ghost was feeding it honey or something? But he has a hook for a hand. Who was changing that baby's diapers? 
people with one hand can change a diaper. Don't be don't be ableist. I'm just they don't show it. It's also the baby was in a sink, so he maybe he's just letting it all go down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the fact that she was asleep for a month or whatever in the asylum that 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 and was the baby's still alive. A, a mistake in the script. I don't know if that happened in the original story or whatever, but that was just a bad part of the script. That was dumb. Yeah, that's my that that's my biggest concern. Like this baby is supposed to be kidnapped, but like everybody assumes that it's dead. I guess and like yeah, it's I would being I would assume kept most in the sink in dead. the same building. That baby's gonna cry. Somebody's gonna hear it. Candyman feeds it once off of his finger. <laughs> like I, <laughs> that baby is babies are resilient. You can do a lot of things. You can forget to do a lot of things, and they're still going to live. I'm not saying do it on purpose, but a month. <laughs> What? This is a movie, not a document. <laughs> I I admit this was something that they could have easily fixed. Oh, just have her be in there for a week. I could believe Candyman's taking care of that baby for... Yeah. Have her be there for three or four days. Trevor, I could see him being a big enough piece of shit that he moves his new girlfriend in in three or four days. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, absolutely. you can still accomplish all that stuff with it not being a month, but okay, whatever. Yeah. I like the idea of it being an urban legend. I don't necessarily... Like, okay, it's already so long. <laughs> How does this movie fit the, the the slasher formula? Like, what what is the slasher formula? We haven't really talked about that. I don't want to go too deep into kind of the formula of slasher films until next week because next week we're going to be doing Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Why didn't we do that one? first well, because i think it is a super meta commentary on slasher film the the rise of leslie vernon so i think that you need to have an establishment of like what kind of slasher tropes there are in action like you get you have to see them a few times first and i think this is a good introduction for you or somebody else who might be getting into horror these are good movies to introduce that okay candy man's like, not the super slasheriest of slasher movies see that's the thing that like a slasher movie I'm I couldn't figure out what Candyman was. Is he a ghost? Is he like he is supernatural for sure. Mm -hmm. And to me, a slasher movie is a serial killer, an actual person coming to rarely usually there's some sort of supernatural thing i think that maybe they started with more like realistic things they're usually named something more realistic like freddy or jason or something very plain like that michael but sometimes you get a leather face or a candy man and it's just the idea is a lot of the formula is that like okay there's a very virginal kind of white girl who's a very good person who does good things and they're going to be the last one to survive and they're usually the one that defeats the monster and they usually have to it, we'll we'll go into more of it but it's not this is not the super prototypical mm -hmm. um kind of slasher film this is very different from the other ones we've seen but i still think it pretty well qualifies as a slasher especially the way helen is characterized or the, the way she's presented and the way that Candyman works but yeah, I think that is my highest criticism of it is that it, I mean, there's there's two criticisms. My first one is that it doesn't necessarily fit what I have experienced as a slasher film. Mm -hmm. Like this is the first one that is so supernatural that I can't like connect it in my brain a little bit. And my second criticism of it is why does Helen have to be white? Why couldn't Bernadette be Helen? You know what I mean? Like why couldn't there, like it, this is a black story essentially because it is about racial tension. It's about a father of a white girl not approving of the fact that she has been impregnated by a black man. I understand that Helen was supposed to be the girlfriend but Helen didn't have any children and then they stole a black woman's baby to be theirs. Like that was the whole idea idea behind him kidnapping anthony right 
Well, I I don't think so. Well, at the end, inside the bonfire, he's like, you, me, and, and our child. And she's holding Anthony at that point. Well, I point. thought that he was referring to the fact that she, the white woman in his past was pregnant when he was killed. Like, she was pregnant with their child. I could be wrong about that. But why else would he kidnap Anthony? Because he needed to sacrifice somebody to make people believe again. I honestly think he kidnapped him because he was like, oh, this is my child with her. And so now I have my happy family in this bonfire and we're all going to die together. Like, that is what I, that was my interpretation of it. Okay, that is a perfectly valid interpretation as well. But like, poor Anne Marie. <laughs> like it yeah. wasn't. It was not your baby. It wasn't Helen's baby. Like Helen, if Helen had a, a child, then that would be. It, it. It would feel a little bit differently for me. But this is just another one of those like white savior type of stories that I don't necessarily think are accurate. The part of the reason I'm so excited for the new movie that's coming yes. out that's the kind of sequel it is more of a black story because yeah. the original Clive Barker story didn't made made no mention of Candyman's race and I think it was all uh, the director and writer who was decided like like we want to make a story there's no, been no black slashers why can't there be why can't there be somebody there absolutely could be, should be. I enjoyed it, but I do recognize it for its white saviorness. And I don't hate the fact that Helen is white because he, you know, is like, it's always been you. Right. She's kind of the reincarnation of his, the reason he was killed. Right. I just, I'm really excited to see what Jordan Peele, I mean, he's not the director he's, of it. He's producing it. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just from the trailer. Guys, they use shadow puppets. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a teaser for the new Candyman movie. But I just found out today it's been pushed back again. Okay. Well, I need a minute I... anyway. <laughs> it's going to come out sometime in 2021. Well, good. That means they're taking their time with it. I hope that's what well, that means. Well, from my understanding, it's it's finished. It's done. They just don't, they want to release it in theaters. They don't yeah. want to release it on video on demand. And since theaters Mulan are... hasn't been doing that well, so... Yeah, but Bill and Ted did pretty good, and well, they kept the the budget on that real small. I think it was under twenty five. Anyway, we're getting off topic in yes, this our long episode. Yeah. So food covered in bees. Candy. <laughs> yeah. So Eat some candy. It man. is around. It's <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh... <laughs> did I break it's... you on that one? <laughs> you, you, my brain was like, "Wait, was that anything to pay attention to?" Nah, keep going. And then I was like, "Oh, it's around Halloween, so you can easily get." Candy. candy variety bags of candy all of the candy there's no one specific candy that is used it's all just like individually wrapped yeah one of the things the about the movie is they never refer to why he is called the candy man so yeah but they do say that he's covered in honey so anything with honey, that's what i always thought with honey. Like, the, the honey thing has got to be twice in candy but in the story the original story it's because so he smells like candy okay so food though is candied apples sure candied apples you can do anything with honey is why i was bringing up the fact that he was covered in honey so like tea with honey or mm -hmm. um i found a recipe for honey candy like a simple honey sugar syrup thing that you kind of put into a taffy thing and i, I will try my hand you know what this means tune into our instagram <laughs> To see my fails. I'm going to try to shape them into little bees that we can kind of put around whatever else we make. But candied apples is a good one because of the red color of the, the candied part. When he opens his jacket and there's ribs, you can have ribs. Huh? 
Honey ribs? No. 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 Okay. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a sweet, a sweeter menu. There's oh, there's also honey lavender lemonade, but I hate lavender, so I don't know if I'm going to honey lemonade. I guess we. Can, I don't know, but honey with tea is definitely a thing, and people do it all the time. You should do it. I like honey with tea. Do it. Do it. Do it. It's a simple menu. Yeah. You could make a salad of Cabrini greens. Okay, there you go. Salad and <laughs> well, because you have to counterbalance all of all the, the candy, all yeah. of the sweet. You have to, you have to do that. Yeah, Cabrini. I'm greens. patting myself on the back for that one. Oh, that was good. <laughs> We've come to the rating portion of the program. We well, yeah. And we rate on a scale of one to ten. None of that point five bullshit. <laughs> we rate one to ten. We don't use stars, do we? No, we don't no. use thumbs, toes. No. Jalapenos. Jalapenos. <laughs> we use something different for every movie. What are we going to use for candy, Matt? One to ten candies. One to ten hook hands. One to ten babies living in sinks for a month. One to ten people covered in bees. I like the bees. Okay. <laughs> so one to ten people covered in bees. Yeah. So I, th- I feel like I'm going to catch some, some crap for this. This is a nine for me. Oh my God. I love this movie so much. The, like I forgot how much I love this movie. Yeah. It, uh, Tony Todd is so good in this movie. I cannot wait for the new one. I kind of want to rush out and watch the other two movies, even though I know for a fact the second one is not very good. I remember the third one being all right, like pretty decent, but it's been at least 10 or 15 years since I watched that movie. So, but yeah, this movie is, this is a nine people covered in bees because this movie is so well done. The music, oh, we didn't even talk about the music. Philip Glass composed the score for it and it has one of the best horror movie themes out there. Friday the 13th, you can suck it. The Candyman theme is amazing. The music was pretty good. I I enjoyed it. Candyman's like just it's that perfect kind of like like it's it's almost like a nursery rhyme kind of feel to yeah, it, but, but like, without being without being overly sweet. Yeah, it's that it's that creepy nursery rhymes that that aren't trying to be super creepy. They just naturally are. You know, like hanging a baby in a tree and then letting it fall. Yeah, yeah. But instead of a tree, it's a sink. So what about you? I give this movie six people covered in bees. All right, I'm I'm I will accept that. <laughs> I'm, criti- I'm critical of it because of the nature of white savior type of things, but she was so good in it. Like mm-hmm. the actress who played Helen, who is it? Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen. Yeah, she was beautiful. I loved her performance, but the story—it's just kind of like they need a white woman to save them. Like, no, they can. I I really like the fact that Jake, you know, rallied the whole thing, and they're like, "Let's burn him!" And so they they were dealing with it on their own, but she was the only one that could save Anthony because she was the only one who knew where he was. And completely separate from the story, I think the only way you get this movie made in 1992 is with a white lead. Yeah, I could see that, and it, there's problems with that too. I hate that that. That's, that was the reality. That is the reality? Question mark. Like it. It's still something to deal with and to keep in mind. It's better now. I mean, but not perfect, but better. Better. Yeah. We're getting a Candyman movie that isn't a white person. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a white movie coming out. So I, I want to know if they're using Helen and if they're they're taking. I know they're not focused on Helen. Helen isn't the. I don't think she's. in I didn't her see her in the cast, but it would be a cool little like add on if they threw her in there somewhere too. I just. I don't. I'm so excited. <laughs> For the new one. But I'm glad I watched this one so that I could have context for the new one. The Shadow Puppets, guys. The Shadow. Go watch it right now. The the, trailer, the the teaser trailer for the new one is really good. It's beautiful. Great music in that, too. It's the, Yeah, it's the, the Candyman theme playing. Mm-hmm. So good. That is our episode for episode 20. Yeah. And we did hit 
300 listens already. Yay. before his birthday. So thanks for giving him the best birthday present that y'all could. So next week we will be doing Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. We will get to Scream, which is one that I was wanting to do for Slasher September. But I think ending on Behind the Mask, a kind of underrated film for me, will be, uh, will be fun. If you like our show, then... Be sure to check out our Instagram at Murder She Don't and our Twitter at Murder She Don't One. Our Instagram is probably a little more lively than our Twitter is right now, but I'm trying. We don't get a ton of engagement on Twitter, so if you wanted to engage with us on Twitter, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Be sure to recommend us to your friends and family and enemies and children and pets. Not children. We cuss sometimes. Pay, make, play us uh, extra times for your pets. You, you could put on our podcast while you're at work. And then that your pets don't feel lonely. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Who's a you're a good boy? <gasps> no, you, 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 See, budget. that is some See? pet content right there. See, trust your pets with us. It's it'll be okay. They'll be they'll be okay. So yep, check back with us next week for uh, behind the mask, rise of Leslie Vernon. And remember, be, be my, my victim. victim.